Hi, I'm Rachel O'Mara, author of Pause, harnessing the life-changing power of giving yourself a break. I'm excited that you're here today and joining me on the Pausecast, where I interview thought leaders in the world of raising our consciousness, emotional intelligence, and helping us really reach our potential. For more information, you can go to my website, rachelomara.com, and download my free guidebook, How to Turn Burnout into Thriving at Work. Hello and welcome everyone to the PauseCast. I'm your host, Rachel O'Mara, and today I am very, very excited to bring a colleague, an ally, a friend, Amy Gallo, who is joining us today as our guest. Amy is the author of the HBR Guide to Dealing with Conflict and a contributing editor at Harvard Business Review. Hi, Amy. How are you doing? Welcome. Hi, Rachel. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And and for background, I know you and I met, it was well over a year ago, and I hosted you at Google for your talk for this book when yeah. it came out. Yeah, yeah it, was really, it was really fun. And actually, do you remember our books yes. came out on the same day? They're, they're twins. They're twins. That's they're right. so <laughs> twins. And you know what's funny? Yeah, it's, it's like, how random is that, that? That was the case. And, yeah. uh, and so since, you know, I, I, I wrote a few articles for the Harvard Business Review. You were the editor. So I feel like there's just been really wonderful synergy with us. And it's really fun yeah. to have you here. So thanks for joining us. We're going to talk about your book and the critical subject of dealing with conflict and how I think pausing is integral to that. Because, I, again, a pause is any intentional shift in behavior. And I thought mm-hmm. today, to start things off, I wanted to... Uh, offer an invitation for you to lead us in a pause in, in whatever way that that works for you, an intentional shift in behavior. Are you up for that? I'm absolutely up for that. It's, that'll be fun. And, and if it's okay with you, I'll do something um, probably a little different than your other guests have done, just a, a relational pause since... I love it. I, what I, yeah, what I focus on is conflict resolution um, and dealing with conflict and what we, one of the most important skills in dealing with conflict effectively is pausing before you do anything. And so many of us are in that reactive mode, what, what Dan Goldman calls amygdala hijack. So we don't actually think about what we want to say and do. Um, we just right. do it. And, and that's really where things go wrong. Yeah, that sounds great. And and I know we had Daniel on the podcast a few episodes ago. Great reference. And, and also what I love about this and your idea is that I believe a pause can be in relationship. So a pause is an engaging conversation or an attempt to move towards resolution and have conflict and know it's okay. And all of this where you're just a little out of your comfort zone, but it, it's all in service to solving a problem or moving towards resolution and all of that. So take it away. Exactly. Sounds great. Okay, great. Okay. So I want everyone listening to take a moment to think about someone they have a relationship with that may be a little bit difficult at the moment. And it may be something, maybe someone that they normally have a positive relationship with and they're just having a little bit of friction now, or it may be someone that they have an ongoing difficult relationship with. And I want you to close your eyes and take a deep breath and think about that person and then do a quick little body scan. So starting from your head, just thinking about each part of your body and thinking about 
when you think about that person, where do you feel um, the reaction in your body? Maybe you feel a little tension. Maybe you feel a little pain. Maybe um, it's just a little bit of a tickle or an itch. And just starting from your head, taking deep breaths and going from your head down to your shoulders, through your arms, through your torso, slowly going down to your legs, down to your knees, and down to your feet. And just noticing where do you feel that tension. And take a deep breath and breathe into that tension for a moment. Now I want you to think about that person. Really picture their face and their whole being. And I want you to think about actually becoming that person for a moment. So occupying who they are getting inside their body, seeing through their eyes. I want you to ask, ask yourself a few questions while you breathe in and out. And ask yourself, what is it that this person wants that they're not getting? And what is it that in you might be difficult for this person? So as this person, try to see you and think about, what could you possibly be triggering for them or causing in them? And then lastly, as that person, think about what kind of relationship that person wants to have with you. All right, now take a deep breath and come back into your own body. Just for one last moment, focus on your heart as you're breathing. And think about your heart broadening, opening. How can your heart be bigger and more receptive? And with that intention of opening your heart, take one last deep breath. If your eyes were closed, open them. And that concludes the pause. Mm. Wow. Uh, can I, I want to share a little bit about my experience with that. I would love to. Yeah. It's just a little different than I think we always go into a, uh, if it's a attention training exercise, it's usually just focusing on yourself. And what I really liked about this exercise was uh, I was thinking about, a family member, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know, just help me have a lot more empathy for her. And mm-hmm. uh, all right, so it was my mom, <laughs> and yeah. like from that point of view, and 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 like how important that is. And when we're in that heat of the moment in a conflict, I know I have this issue too. Uh, you're, I, I just feel caught up, and it's the last thing I think of, or it's just like not even on my radar, and how that can just change the entire script for what would be played out. That's what I got out of that. That's great. Yeah. And that's exactly, I mean, you've, you've said it perfectly, which is that we become so naturally narcissistic when we're in reactive mode. Right. And it makes sense Mm -hmm. because we feel threatened. um, We feel upset. 
It's a very normal response to focus on what am I not getting? What is this person doing to me? How Mm -hmm. am I being harmed? When really what helps us move past that is thinking about the other person. And of course, you have to do that with some self-awareness, which is why it's good to start the pause with some sense of what's going on in your own body, but then to shift into let me literally put myself in the other person's shoes and see what they see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, sometimes you, you know, I, 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 when I try to do this, sometimes, especially when I try to do it related to my husband, sometimes when I'm in his shoes, I I cheat a little and I think, oh, all I want to do is be right, right? Like I give him a script that I think he probably owns, Um, but that's not true. But even doing that helps because it helps break the the cycle of narcissism and focus and rumination about what's going on for you personally. So, you know, and, and of course I sometimes catch myself and think that's probably not really what he's thinking. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, is, what, what is he really thinking and feeling? But it's really about trying to remember there are two people involved in this situation. It's not just about you. Yeah. And I know, uh, everyone has different flavors and opinions about conflict and, in your book, you talk about having the passive attempts and then managing that or how to re- resolve something. So talk, I would love for you to share. Well, my first question is how does pausing help that? And maybe you've got mm-hmm. some backup uh, info for the science of it or anything, but I think that we just think like, we just, again, skim over it so much. It's so important to know that this is a critical step for uh, that that understanding and and resolving conflict in a really helpful, intentional way. Yeah. Well, I think the, in my experience working with coaching clients or doing workshops or talks, what I hear about most often is that people have these very negative emotions when it comes to conflict. They feel stressed, they feel frustrated, they feel anger. Um, And then when I ask people, do you feel proud of how you behaved in that situation? Pretty universally, people say no. And that is because, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this amygdala hijack, we lose access to the prefrontal cortex of our brain, which is responsible for rational thinking, and we've just become reactive. And the pause is a real, it's an ability to take the signs of stress or the symptoms of stress, um, you know, your face turning red, the pace of your speech. your heart rate, all of that, and to just calm down. And if you can calm down that sympathetic nervous system, you're going to make a much better choice about how to respond to the situation. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a favorite or preferred way for that? If you are catching yourself in that, like, oh, I'm hijacked right now, or you might notice that you're not breathing because you're just in fumes. Any any favorites you've got? Yeah, my favorite pause is the walk around the building. So what often happens is we will, um, you know, be involved in a meet. We'll be in a meeting, or we'll get an email, or we'll have a face-to-face conversation, and we think, oh, I have to resolve this right now, even though you notice, okay, that I'm breathing quickly, my muscles are tightening, right? All of that, we think, oh, I still have to stay in it. And if you can tell yourself, I just need to take a walk, or I just need to go get a glass of water. Um, and just give yourself that moment to pause. My favorite is walking around the building because I think mm-hmm. going outside is incredibly helpful. The forward motion, agreed, you know, gives you sen- a sense of progress as opposed to being stuck. 
Um, and it also helps loosen up, right? Those muscles, um, you know, gets your blood flowing, any sort of tension that you've created, you can sort of naturally loosen that. And that gives you a better access to, to rational thinking. And then you might do this pause we just did together of, of thinking about the other person, what's going on for them? Why would they have behaved the way they did? You know, what is it that they they need that they're not getting? Um, and start doing some of that, that, that empathy. Actually, yeah. there's in, in the um, HBR offices, there's a, a water cooler that to me has like the most perfect temperature water. So sometimes if I'm feeling really stressed, I'll go to that, uh, the walk to that water cooler, mm-hmm. getting a glass it. of water, and then just feeling the, the cool water down my throat is just enough to sort of break the rumination. The ambient, the ambient temperature water. Yes. Exactly. That's really good. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah. And I think uh, you bring up such a good point in that this is the way you prefer to pause in the walk around the building, but someone else may want the nature pause or someone else may want to be by themselves and uh, just be silent for five minutes or a breath. So I'm getting that it's about what what works for me, and I think that or you or anyone, yeah. and and, yeah. and like tuning into that because it's not just about a prescription that works for everybody, but that's a great way to start. So knowing that yeah. that if it comes up, walk around the building, great suggestion. Yeah. And then I'm also thinking about uh, the patterns. So for example, we get in loops, right? I know for myself, yeah. and I'm sure all of us can relate, where there's a particular conflict that continues to rise everywhere I go. And it, the common element is me. <laughs> so it might be mm-hmm. with a particular person, or it might be with my mom, like I said, or it could be a coworker, but it continues to show up. And so what, uh, knowing, knowing that about our patterns, uh, what would you suggest or think about for 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 conflict resolution, is there a way to know that recognize that that's happening, and then you can and shift it? Because I think that's also really critical is to know that maybe this is something I can also be aware of even before I'm in a conversation with someone or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the things I think is really helpful to understand is you know what I talk about in the book is that we all sort of self-select into two types of conflict styles. There are people who are avoiders and there are people who are seekers. And that's... And let's know, talk about that. I think that's like really interesting. Yeah. So, it's, so, and it's a spectrum, right? You're not always an extreme avoider, an extreme seeker, and you might be an avoider with your boss, but a seeker with your mom, right? And so knowing what style you gravitate toward naturally. And then also thinking through in your major relationships, whether it's with your boss or direct reports or your spouse, um, you know, or your parents, what, which of those styles do you most often adapt? And, you know, avoiders are people in neither styles better or worse. Um, you know, avoiders are the people you, that feel like they want to hide under the table whenever voices get raised or tensions rise. Like they're just like, I don't want to deal with this. I wish we could just get along. Um, and seekers are people who really lean into it. I'm a seeker, which is why I wrote a book on conflict. Um, but you know, we want to lean into the conflict. We sometimes will even create conflicts because with the, the exhilaration of it and because we believe in directness and honesty, um, not that mm-hmm. avoiders don't believe in directness and honesty. Of course they do. But it's more that they tend to value relationships and harmony over directness and honesty. Yeah. 
And this is, this is an emotional intelligence leadership skill in my opinion. Right. And, and if you are able to catch that and know and be more self-aware to know what your type is, where, where you've started, I, I, it's great to know that you can build the skills to be more direct. And I want to emphasize what you just said too, about leaning into conflict, because that is for me, I personally, I'm a, I'm an avoider and I Mm -hmm. have historically, although now it's, I'm shifting that, but I know if I can know that I, I can actually trust myself to say, it's actually good to engage here. I can, I can move work towards resolution. And that's really a new skill for me. I'd say five years ago, that wasn't even on my radar. And now I value that directness and knowing I'm, I might be in my nervous, afraid mode, fear, like hesitant and not knowing, but trusting that I can engage with someone and just like you said in the beginning, while we paused, know how they're feeling or tune in. I think that that is really helpful and and change the whole game, really, and yeah. the way I am with others. And then that relationship changes and everything. I mean, it's it's almost it's profound in that way. Yeah, yeah. And I find the other useful pause to in these kind of conflicts conversations, difficult conversations, is also to have mantras that you can repeat Mm. to yourself. So like for conflict avoiders, um, you know, you might tell yourself, this isn't about me, right? This is about the business. Um, Our relationship. Yeah. So you might, anytime you sort of start to have that reaction of like, oh God, you know, Rachel and I are disagreeing, what's going to happen? Just take a moment to say to yourself, take a deep breath and say, this isn't personal. This isn't about our relationship. Our relationship isn't at stake, right? And that's, can, that yeah. can calm some, some of that reaction. And for a seeker, sometimes it's reminding yourself, you know, have compassion for other people, right? This, this person may not want um, the directness you're offering. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just trying to sort of remind yourself that there are other styles of, of, of dealing with conflict and that your style is not necessarily the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so helpful. (laughs) And and that was actually a question I had too, is what is the strategy? And I think we just got that. I also wanted to, to ask you about the conflicts that are blame, shame, justification kind of things. So, Mm. because conflict can also be exhausting or draining, right? And so what can you advise if someone finds themselves in those modes of the victim and all of that drama, what, what do we do? Right. Well, I think there's one of the things that's helpful to think about. There's another framework in my book about the different types of conflict. And this comes from negotiation research. Um, We often assume conflict is about the personal, about a relationship conflict. And most conflicts, especially at work, tend to start as, as one of other three other types of conflict. And it's helpful to understand what exactly are we disagreeing about? So if you're playing the role of victim or you find yourself, you know, blaming everyone else for what's happening, um, you know, think about what kind of conflict is actually going on here. Is this really about relationship or is it about, you know, one the most common is task. Like we disagree over how to get or what the goal is rather like what's, what is it that we're trying to achieve? Um, or is it that we disagree over process? How are we going to solve this problem? Um, and the third is status. And that can quick, you know, any of these can quickly turn into a relationship conflict, but status is really about who has the power here, who gets to make the decision. Um, and 
again, the, the goal here is to try to calm your nervous system when you're thinking about conflict. So instead of getting into the, like, he always does this, he's so passive aggressive, he's a jerk, I wish I didn't have to work with him. If you can start to think about, well, what's actually going on here? What's the, what is the conflict underlying the conflict is that we, is it that we don't agree on the goal of the project is that we don't agree on how this meeting should be run? Is it that we don't agree on, um, you know, how people should be treated on the team? What specifically is it that can take some of the emotional, um, you know, tension out of the situation and help. Yeah, exactly. And help you approach it more methodically. Yeah, I know. And and uh, something else that popped into my head as we were sharing about patterns and conflict and understanding the other person, like you were just saying, and, that, and also putting yourself in that person's shoes as we did in the pause exercise earlier is really huge to know where that person might be coming from to help better understand, right? Know that it's not personal. The other thing I'm thinking about, which I've learned and I'll share here, is that sometimes <laughs> as we're in conflict, uh, you know, it's not even necessarily about that person, but there's uh, the the psychological effects of like projection and transferences. So someone just might mm. unconsciously remind you of your dad, <laughs> throwing right. that out there. And then yep. uh, you're just in conflict because you always argued with your dad and this person kind of reminds you of that in some way, but you never really consciously acknowledge that. Maybe now you do if you're listening and say, oh yeah, and it could be anything, but um, what I find fascinating about that, and I know it's happened to me, is uh, many, like a lot of times it's it's actually just a projection for me. So meaning I uh, I am this person is triggering me, but mm-hmm. it's it's in a way that is only because of my personal experiences from my past. And if I actually right. had an objective standpoint and took myself out of that personal relationship and just said, what is this person trying to get across? It could be a whole different reaction. And I don't know if that's coming through and I'm explaining that well, but uh, no, I, I think, think it's really important sense. to be aware of. And do you, do you also think that that's something that uh, happens a lot? Yeah, no, I see that. And I see that a lot in work contexts where, um, you know, someone reminds them of a boss that was really difficult to deal with or, um, you know, or mm-hmm. they're dealing with a colleague, like you say, that reminds them of their father or their mother. Um, and it's or their sister it, or their cousin. It, or it could be anybody. Exactly. Yeah. So there's this projection and transference that happens. Um, and then there's also just patterns, right? So if you grew up in a big Italian family where you, you know, there Culture. are tons of people, at, yeah, there are tons of people at the dinner table all raising their voices, you might be completely comfortable with open, direct conflict, loud conversations, um, where someone <laughs> who, who didn't grow up in that environment might feel very differently. And so we also get into these patterns of this is how conflicts are resolved. Um, you know, I, a lot of the, my coaching clients talk about having a passive aggressive parent, you know, like that, that this was how we didn't talk directly about conflict. We just sort of dropped hints about what we needed. No one told, um, you know, no one told anyone what their direct needs were. That was sort of not allowed. But so then you tried to get your needs met by being very passive aggressive. Right. So that's what you know. Exactly. How do you do anything else? Yeah. Yeah. So and it it works, right? Yeah. And it works. It works. And you've kind of figured it out and it's made it happen for you. And then 
now all of a sudden you're challenged with a situation where it wasn't now it's new skills that are required or just more awareness. So how cool is that, that every time we're actually in conflict, we're building our emotional intelligence skill set. That's, that's how I like to think about it. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, that's when I, I try to, in my talks and, and workshops, I really try to get people to embrace the positive benefits of conflict because we all really, this is a topic I mean, even calling it conflict, right? This is a topic that people think, I don't want that. How do I, you know, get rid of that? <laughs> how, do, mm-hmm. how do I avoid it all? Right. So talk about that. I think that's huge. Positive. Why or what, what is, to what extent, to what end is this helpful? Why are we even in this world? What does it matter? Yeah. if I? So talk about that. I think we have to remember this. It's so important. Yeah. Well, and I think you, the first thing you brought up is that it's an opportunity to learn, right? It's an opportunity to learn and grow. Anytime Mm -hmm. you have a conflict with someone, you have to develop better self-awareness. You have to understand exactly the assumptions you're making. It's an opportunity to to learn about your values. And it's an opportunity to build a relationship with that other person. If you and I have a conflict and we get to the other side, we've set the precedent that we can disagree and our relationship will stay intact. And that's a very powerful dynamic to I have. I love that. Yeah. So I think there's really, there's better relationships. There's opportunities to learn and grow. There's definitely better work outcomes in a work context. If you and I disagree about how to get the project done and we both, you know, are throwing out ideas, you know, even if we're doing it in not the nicest way, we're probably going to improve the work product as, as an end result. And that's the, you want to see those natural tensions in organizations, right? Between finance and marketing or between a manager who values speed and a manager who values quality, right? Like those natural tensions help make the work better. Yeah. 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 And the the last benefit I'll mention, and this is something I've been really excited about lately is, is the, that being able to handle conflict is incredibly important if organizations want to make good on their diversity and inclusion goals. Um, you know, I see over and over organizations who put in so much effort to bring in people from different backgrounds and different pers- who have different, you know, viewpoints and, and perspectives. And then they put them into these organizations that where, you know, everyone insists on being nice and not disagreeing. Yes. Guess, you know, the people, those people you bring in are going to get the signal. Don't disagree. Don't say anything that's different. And they're, the they're going to feel, yeah, don't rock the boat. And they're going to feel silenced. And that's really, it does not create an inclusive work environment to have a nice organization. We want, you know, of course people need to, to be compassionate, empathetic, and kind to one another. But don't be nice to the detriment of not having the difficult conversations. Yeah. Oh, huge, huge point. And knowing that it takes courage to change that and it's up to us individuals, all of us to make those changes. So speaking up when you have a thought and you want to share, or if there's a a way you think the meeting could be run better or changed, those are, I think all opportunities, which could be potential conflict, right? But they also move an agenda forward. They help you personally, I think, be more satisfied and engaged. So you are uh, meeting your yearnings, your hungers to contribute, yeah. all of that stuff. And overall yeah. is so powerful, but 
but sometimes we just write it off maybe in the passive uh, potential, the historically passive conflict avoider would be like, oh, they don't need to hear that. Uh, whatever, my whatever, I don't need to sh share that. And then now what I'm learning is that is not what is ideal for anybody, right. including myself. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I, my favorite is I'll, I'll go into organizations <laughs> and start talking to them about conflict, and someone will say, "Oh, I could never say that. I'd be fired." And I'll, and I'll ask, "Has anyone ever been fired for speaking up?" You know, and it, it mm -hmm. what happens is there becomes these like rumors or this mythology that you can't speak up, and that's not to say there aren't organizations where people's careers have been hindered. Um, or they've even been fired for speaking up. There's certainly those organizations. But more often than not, people sort of blow that out of proportion. And if you can disagree in a way that's kind, empathetic, compassionate, chances are you're not going to have those repercussions in most organizations. Yeah. Well said. And all I would add that there's a, there's a respect that can go into that too. So now there's even this yeah. higher level of respect for an individual, including yourself. Hey, you spoke up for what you wanted or believed in. How cool is that? And how important is that? Otherwise, uh, there's just, it's like the visibility and just knowing what you stand for is so important. Let's go yeah. back to the, I, I, I want to wrap up in a moment, but I think what you mentioned is also really interesting and important about the diversity and inclusion and and mm. and can you just tell us maybe if we're all if there's people wondering what can what does that mean for me like how does that really translate into a day-to-day -day engagement or conflict yeah. or even like what, what what can we be thinking about because I think that is critical and we yeah. need to all yeah. be aware of this even more than his in, in the past yeah well and I think I think one of the questions well, of several questions that people want to ask themselves in, in regards to that is, is this an organization where I feel comfortable expressing a different point of view? Um, is this an organization where we tolerate people disagreeing in meetings or over email, right? And asking yourself, what kind of culture have we created here? And then how can I shape that? So if, if, if you are in one of those organizations where for a really nice, polite culture, um, and that translates to complete conflict avoidance, can you start to ask questions in meetings? Can you, you know, sort of tiptoe yeah. into expressing expressing disagreements? Um, and you can do that in very kind, careful ways. You know, so you can use phrases like, I, I think I might have a difference of opinion on this. Would it be okay if I shared it? Well, that's right? a good like, one. you don't have... Right. You don't have to just say like, Jim, you're wrong. You know, like, it doesn't have to right. come out as blunt, <laughs> right? Um, and you, yeah. and I think you remember every person has a responsibility for creating or maintaining the yes. culture. And if you can start in safe, small ways to model, you know, I, I, especially mm -hmm. if you're a manager, especially if you're responsible for other people, you know, is there a way that you can start modeling disagreement? And if someone disagrees with you, thank them, right? Like do everything yeah. you can to show that it's safe to do that. Um, even if in the moment you don't respond well, because yeah. if it's not in your culture and you re you sort of get reactive to it and say, oh, let's, you know, mm -hmm. let's take, let's keep the conversation on track, right? Like you might right. re respond to it in all these different Naturally ways. Naturally inclined, inclined to do that. Right, right. Well, actually, exactly. hold on a second. Hold on. You can say, oh. right. Yeah, and you can always come back to the team and go, you know what? When Jim disagreed with me last week, I really didn't handle it well. And I just wanted to thank Jim for saying that. 
um, you know, and this is what we're going to do as a, as a result. Um, and really demonstrate anything you can to show that that disagreements are are okay, that they're comfortable, and that they're productive, right? That's like so we can get to key. the other side. I was thinking too about a disagreement pause. <laughs> you could create a disagreement mm. pause clause and uh, offer that as as a opportunity where if there's they take three minutes at the beginning of a meeting and, or at the end of a meeting and say, is there anyone who has a, uh, anything they want to share? And maybe that's too much pressure depending on the situation, but it could be something built in as a, just in your own mind, even as a, as a, I'm going to disagree pause here and know it's just a moment where you're intentionally shifting your behavior. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I, I, I'll give an example of that actually is I love that idea. And and I, I didn't think of it as a disagreement pause, but there was a, we had, I was working on a team to develop a, a product and um, we got some feedback from someone else in the organization who did not like what we had developed at all. Um, well, and I shouldn't even say that. I'm already mischaracterizing it. She had given us some very frank feedback about it. Okay. And we got in the meeting room. We were discussing it. We were all talking about how wrong she was about this and that. And I said, wait a second. Let's take a moment and just think, what if she's right and we're wrong? And it completely changed the conversation because we were so focused on, we were so invested in being right about where the direction we were going. And I think that's a really useful pause. It's like, if you, you can do this for yourself, right? Like the pause is what if I'm wrong Mm -hmm. and, and you can do it as a group. And I think that, that, that might be a, instead of like, Hey, who disagrees with what's going on here? The pause might be, you know, what if we're wrong? What if this is going in the wrong direction? What, you know, yeah. What if? That question. Yeah. Wow. Um, I love that. I, I, love I don't know. That's such a great tip. Yeah. And I think that I, I do think the question, what if I'm wrong is just an incredibly valuable question as a, as a human being in the world. I think it's a great mm-hmm. question to ask yourself and especially around conflict because we get so stuck on being right. And if we can just say to ourselves, like, what if the other person's right, you know, or what if no one's right? Yeah. And it, and it goes, and it's so not a natural thing to ask. Our egos love to be right. Right. Like that's yes. kind of how it's made, how it goes. So uh, thank you for that. I think that's really valuable and, and uh, I'm going to try it. <laughs> Probably have a couple <laughs> conflicts today. I can work it in. Uh, yeah. Time pause. You have yeah. never ending learning opportunities. Oh when it gosh. Comes to it always ends up yeah. that way. Yeah. 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 And I know I feel like we could keep talking and have so much good conversation around conflict and, and, uh, and, and anything related to that. And, and it's so yeah. cool that I know you, this is your subject area of expertise and, and, uh, just as we wrap up, I think it's important to mention what else, uh, can, where can people find your, your great work and, how do we f- learn more about what you're doing sure. in the world? Sure. So the book is the HBR Guide to Dealing with Conflict. It's on Amazon or HBR.org. Um, on HBR.org, if you search my name, you can find a lot of my articles. Um, I write about conflict, emotional intelligence, career development. Um, and then you can find me if, um, on my website at amyegallo.com. And there's some more resources there as well. Great. And and if anyone has seen the HBR guides, they're, they kind of look like a tall, thin paperback version of uh, how uh, of just really good practical information on multiple subjects. And the one that Amy wrote is great. I've seen it in Hong Kong and Europe, <laughs> in various airport 
uh, lounges and, and the, the the bookstore. So they're it's it's all over the place. It's great. Yeah, the series are great. I love I love all of the books in the series. They're they're really and I'm I'm proud to be part of it. So, yeah, and you. I'll put the links up in the in the podcast notes as well. So Amy, Perfect. thank you, thank you so much. And uh, is is there anything else that you'd want to share? Maybe one more hot tip or a intention or anything like that for us to sail off into the sunset yeah, with? Well, yeah, I'll give you one. One of my favorite pieces of advice from the book, and this comes from research out of Columbia University, which is, and this is about empathy as well, is that when you're in a conflict with someone and you're not really getting anywhere, you might ask them for their advice. So you can say, you know, mm. what would you what would you do if you were in my shoes that. and so while you may have done all the work to put yourself in your shoes use that pause that we talked about at the beginning you know they you can't guarantee that they'll do that and this is just a little bit of a, a way to get them to to say oh let me see it from their perspective even if they just do it for a second um it can it can go a long way uh so so ask them what do they think about something Exactly. Ask them, what do you think or, or what, do you think what would you do? What would you do if I were in my shoes? Oh, gosh, I love that. What a bridge to, I, I think, create more even of a, a relationship and and a sense of mutuality. And it's not like me against you or like we're fighting each other or anything. So exactly. love it. We're Thank in, you so we're much. Together. Yeah, yeah, we're in this together. We're all in this together. And Amy, I want to thank you. Thank you for being on the podcast today. And I am excited for your work. It's so important and needs to be learned and heard throughout the world. So thanks so much. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for listening today. I'm Rachel O'Mara, the author of Pause, Harnessing the Life-Changing Power of Giving Yourself a Break. Now that you've had a chance to listen to the Pause cast, I want to invite you to continue the conversation and join the private Facebook group, Be The Pause. You can search for it on Facebook or go to facebook.com slash groups slash be the pause. It's also in the podcast notes for this episode. Also, if you are struggling with overwhelm or being stressed out at work and you're not really sure what to do next, I invite you to download the free guidebook for the three keys to turn overwhelm into thriving at work. This is on my website, rachelomera.com. And you can download it there today. See you soon.